0: We have to go back. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And here, your family. Uh, that's what I thought about
1: <laughs> with this movie. I did not know Olive Garden was a sponsor. That is
0: pleasant. Uh this week we are reviewing the 1987 classic Harry and the Hendersons or as it was known for a while Bigfoot and the Hendersons.
1: Yeah, but I mean, we can uh we can get into
0: that. Yeah, with the Dreamworks animated film Abominable uh coming into our hearts and minds, uh, we decided to take a look back at Harry and the Hendersons. Uh, Harry and the Hendersons is a family comedy starring John Lithgow as George Henderson against the rather phenomenal special effects by Rick Baker used Mm -hmm. to bring the friendly Bigfoot to life for which the movie won an Oscar for. Yeah. For best makeup. Yeah. And so this movie is really basically in your mind. If you could imagine E.T., but with Bigfoot and with yeah. more uh, adults and antics happening, and more uh, fixer-upper uh, home renovation things going on, you basically have Harry and the Hendersons. That's quite
1: a uh, mental goulash you got going. <laughs> I yeah, I, well, E. T. is a really good uh, example of it too. It's also Amblin and Universal. It yep. takes place in the woods. Um, yeah, so it's like E.T., but, you know, bigger. Or like, Dunstan checks in, but much, much bigger. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty good. I I like that comparison more than anything (laughs) else. Uh, And even though this is a movie about Bigfoot,
0: uh, surprisingly, that was supposed to be a big reveal. Uh, Did you read about this? Did you see this? Oh, yeah. So, basically, uh, the movie was called Harry and the Hendersons. I found a ton of posters that we'll probably share on our social media uh, that actually showed no harry uh there's this one animated poster where uh, there's a big uh like cartoon hole in the wall like someone ran through and it's the shape of harry the bigfoot and you get see the hendersons through the wind or through that hole kind of like reacting to it uh the movie poster on imdb just has harry's eyes uh, menacingly looking at you. Yeah, it's like holding a rose. Yeah. and
1: Yeah. Well, because they wanted it to be, they kind of had like the Shyamalan mentality where they're like, oh, it's got more intrigue the less you see it. That works for horror films, but the, the issue was people, I, I don't know if they were afraid of how scary it would be, so they didn't take kids or they just didn't know what it was, but the thought process behind the marketing was we'll show as little of Harry as possible uh, so that people will want to come see w- what is Harry all about. And uh, it just was confusing and it kind of uh, turned people away.
0: Right. And I mean, they did do the same with E.T. Like, they didn't really show E.T. Um, I mean, man, Spielberg certainly does have a type. He doesn't want you to see the thing the movie's about. Jaws. Put a blanket E.T. on him. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, and I do think that it did work for them in reverse because i mean the movie is good it is beloved by so many so charming uh with a budget of 10 million dollars it went on to gross 50 million worldwide including a pretty successful 90s tv show spinoff called Mm -hmm. harry and the hendersons it ran for three seasons yeah three seasons like full seasons like 18 episode seasons yeah,
1: full orders on these things and the uh the the actor that played uh George in that version was the the senator from X-Men with the he gets his face all stretched oh, out yeah. I was like I was like oh that's senator stretchy face <laughs> um but yeah I mean it had it had a following and a lot of people developed their own kind of headcanon about that show too saying this is what would have happened had Harry lived with them indefinitely, Mm -hmm. um, which is kind of interesting that they were able to explore that.
0: Yeah. They took away our headcanon. So thanks, 90s TV. Thanks
1: 1991 through 1993. Um, But yeah, you mentioned the international sales overseas, they try to be more direct with it a lot of the times and marketed it as Bigfoot and the Hendersons. So like you want to see Bigfoot? Great. Here's a movie. Bigfoot. There Bigfoot. you go. But I feel like it loses that pizzazz of like Harry and the Hendersons, you know, mm-hmm. the alliteration, the alliterative sparkle. Yes. Yeah,
0: if it, if they were called the Bendersons, then I'd be on board. <sighs> Bigfoot and the Bendersons. Yeah. There you go. Another really interesting thing about the movie is that this has some flashback flicks crossover. Uh, oh the yeah. Actor who played Harry, uh, mm-hmm. is kevin peter hall he also played predator yeah because he is seven foot three he is a tall being and with the additional makeup and uh prosthetics uh that brought him in about like eight foot, eight, eight feet tall um mm-hmm. and it's shown because like john Lithgow is a notoriously tall human being he's six four
1: yeah he uh well just to put it in perspective too so Without the prosthetics, Kevin Peter Hall was seven three. Peter Mayhew as Chewbacca was 7'2". So Chewbacca is shorter than P- Kevin Peter Hall and and as Harry especially uh, with the added height. So this is an enormous creature that's on screen. But also I I love some of the stuff. I was I kind of went down the rabbit hole of uh, Kevin Peter Hall's. Cur- unfortunately short-lived career but he had such a great perspective on the work he got where he was basically saying there's not a ton of roles for actors like me Mm -hmm. um it's like especially just really absurdly tall actors so he's like i will take any creature movie that i can get it is not beneath me i have no stigmas attached to it work is work and i think that's an incredible perspective and he he gets to be Harry in perpetuity. He gets to be the predator. He was in the first couple predators. And I just, I love that. I I think that's such a healthy perspective as as an actor to have of use your strengths. I'm enormously tall. Okay, I can be a creature. Um, And not to try to shy away from it. Uh, I think it's so great. He also worked on the TV show. Um, Unfortunately, he passed away before... I think it really uh, got launched, but he was he was working with the show uh, when he um, he announced that he was sick, and then unfortunately, I mean, he passed away at 35. Wow. So it's uh, it's a shame to think of what other great roles Kevin Peter Hall could have had, and uh, what other iconic characters um, he would have embodied. But I'm so glad we got to enjoy him
0: in this role. Right. Yeah, and he. He really did make this film. This was actually my first time watching Harry and the Hendersons. In its really, in, in its entirety. Oh, I, YMCA. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, no, I the the famous go home scene um, was just forever cemented. Like anytime I I'm having you know casual conversations with people about sad moments in cinema, mm. this scene always gets brought up. It's just like, oh. go away. We don't want you anymore. It's just oh, like yeah. oh. Oh, okay. We call uh, that white fanging. Yeah. Yes. Yes.
1: Go on, get. We don't want you anymore.
0: <laughs> and so uh I I I was familiar with that scene, but I I was not familiar with the rest of the movie and what what a delight. What an adorable sweet just honest movie i i love how movies like this get made where they they just it's a very premise focused movie where it's not necessarily a movie about anything or even Mm -hmm. any one character you just really get to see hey what if someone found a bigfoot like that that that's the premise like the same with et is like what if a kid found an alien like mm-hmm. like we're exploring just the ramifications and the stakes and it's still like an adventure but man it was just so much fun and i mean huge props to uh rick baker to just bring harry to life i mean he did all the aliens in uh men in black and oh and he just did such a good job because I was convinced that this was a Muppet work. I'm um, just like, okay, great. So Jim Henson, no. it was- He's just
1: the guy that's always late for the bus. Like, they
0: got the same suit. Like, hold on, guys, wait. Right. Yeah. yeah. Sweetums, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sweetums and the Hendersons. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I was just so impressed with all the different things they did to – show how big Harry was like the floorboard, like bulging through and just like doing calisthenics on yeah. in the kitchen or them destroying this house. It just, it was just so much fun to see this brought to life in the same way um, that like we've seen other movies do this like Jurassic Park or um, you know, ET. I feel like movies, um, especially more nowadays would you know cgi if this movie were to be remade today cgi would be all over it but there's i would not. i would fight that there's because I, I think that's part of the charm yeah yeah i don't think there's like any i think it's all mm. uh special effects um mm. raises nerd glasses the difference between special and visual effects is what is done in camera versus in editing hey never be ashamed for sharing knowledge <laughs> So it's uh I I just love all the special effects like he, they just he tore those doors off the hinges or he they figured out how to make it like him lifting the door frame up just oh, to yeah. make room for himself oh <laughs> my like, oh my gosh like they how how did they do that like it just it really does ground you in the experience of. Okay, there's there's a bigfoot in our house. It's so great too, and the the, the
1: family around them, uh, like John Lithgow, uh, kind of as the as the dad. Um, this was probably one of my because I saw this as a kid too, and it was my first. Um, Kind of exposure to John Lithgow as as an actor. That's what I remembered most from it. I was like, "Oh yeah, John Lithgow, (laughs) the John Lithgow movie." Um, It was like the first thing I ever saw him in before Third Rock from the Sun, uh, before Shrek, before all that. And I loved it and I was just captivated by this movie and its charm and it's been a while since I've seen it I did have I did have a boss one time who was obsessed with this movie And I remember one weekend. He was like no work over the weekend except your assignment is to watch Harry and the Hendersons and appreciate your family and I was like all right uh, thanks boss and uh, It's such a charming movie too and it was fun to see uh, people in the cast that was like, oh yeah, like uh, Belinda Dillon from A Christmas Story plays the plays the oh, mom, and yeah. uh, she I guess she just has a thing for guys that buy lamps with feet attached to them. Um, <laughs> that's her type. Um, and then uh, recently we we saw this. Well kind of recently, uh, Don Amici, we didn't see him in Homeward Bound, but Dr. Wrightwood from this movie, yeah. that's Shadow from Homeward Bound. So if that voice sounded familiar, yes. uh, yeah, it was like, why does that man sound like an old dog to me? Yep. I was like, oh, because <laughs> that, is, that is Shadow. Wow. Um, yeah. And then um, uh, Irene, the next door mm-hmm. neighbor played by uh, Lainey Kazan, uh, she's Became very popular with my big fat Greek wedding, and uh, more recently on the podcast, Mama Gili, La- Mama Gili, Larry Gili's mom. Um, so she popped up, and I was like, "How did we? Couldn't even plan that. Yeah, really. Why would we build that universe out of that? But we, uh, it happened, and that was not the only confluence of um, of podcasting that happened. Oh no, uh, Ricky, you sent me a. You you sent me a, a text, a video text. Uh one of the first lines of the entire movie is is uh the little kid saying,
0: It's my first blood. Yeah I stopped everything. I said, No, no way. How did we do this?
1: I felt like there were a couple rainbow references oh, too. Yeah. Uh, like at the end, uh, when the entire city goes under martial law, basically, which I completely forgot about yeah. from when I was a kid, uh, the guys dressed like Rambo, and like get a load of this guy. Mm-hmm. So it, it very much knew when it was made. Yeah, yeah,
0: firmly in the eighties. Yeah,
1: huh. and uh, the guy that plays Jacques Lafleur, the the hunter, he mm-hmm. was he was wonderful. That David Suchet, Suchet. Yeah, Suchet. Um, he's gonna be in the upcoming HBO series his dark materials he voices a character on there um, but he worked forever as detective Perot on uh, the long-running Agatha Christie series uh, Agatha Christie's Perot and um, yeah I it was not an actor that I was really familiar with but when I looked at his IMDB I was like this guy is a legend yeah um, and so it was cool to just to experience new actors and remember, uh, some some older favorites as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, his IMDb is longer than my resume ever will be. Yeah, he has he's over won BAFTAs. He's, yeah, it's impressive for
1: sure. And then, uh, lest we forget, Little Bob, uh, the dog played by Britches. Mm-hmm. The real hero, the real star of the film. Really yeah, he is. Britches, Britches is a professional. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. A seasoned
0: vet. Oh, I shouldn't have liked that as much as I did. Uh, So what was something that you noticed this time around that you didn't notice uh, when you watched it before? Besides the tremendous joy that John Lithgow is. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Uh, oh, no, I knew what a joy he was back then. Yeah. Um, yeah, watching as like a six-year-old, I'd be mean, like, this guy is good. Uh, no, I – well, I mostly remember the movie for the stuff in the house, like you are describing mm-hmm. him moving, like the, the uh, doorways and how he just kind of tosses the fridge aside. I remember all the stuff in the house. What I didn't remember as much was just how crazy the city goes. Um, so I, I didn't really remember the back half of Act 2 and Act 3 – Um, I thought he was mostly just under wraps, but when it goes like full ET, I, um, yeah, I was kind of like, oh, this is, uh, this is kind of crazy. They kind of got like an Arkham city vibe going to their, to their rioting here. Um, and so that, that was kind of surprising to see again. Um, and, uh, yeah, just, it had a lot more danger to it than I think I had processed, uh, watching it the first time. Um, and the the inverse of that is, I I was able to pick up a lot more on Harry as a character, um, and that he is a protector of all life, um, even little angry Frenchman. He like wants to protect everyone, even those that wish him harm, and that is definitely a deep theme that I did not pick up on as a six year old. Um, I was. Firmly in the Lithgow strike zone, but the, the nuance of Harry as a character uh, was beyond me. And I think it's a testament to Kevin Peter Hall's acting because I have a quote here from him where he said, I'm not just somebody shuffling around in a monster suit. I'm a kind of puppeteer from the inside who's attempting, uh, through arm and body movements, to give the creatures I play a sense of personality. And that's completely what I, I gleaned from this on re-watching, was the personality of Harry and how he can communicate an entire character without ever saying more than one word. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he is able to pick his moments. He's able to connect with uh, the other characters in the scene all through his motions and his facial expressions. And that, to me, is... Uh, it it was like watching it for the first time when I was really able to appreciate um, that performance. And so uh, yeah, even though this is like a favorite of mine from when I was a kid and all that um, I don't know, there was something new about this watching experience and that doesn't happen a lot with us on the podcast. Like we either watch something we've never watched before, or we watch something that we know inside and out. And this one was one that I thought I knew but was able to uh just appreciate like it was the first time and uh yeah i it was it's actually a pretty uh moving experience rewatching it so yeah thanks for letting us watch this it was um yeah it was a, it was a really great moment for me
0: i'm glad to hear yeah i mean this movie was different than what i was expecting it to be uh because i i really knew it in context to that one scene like okay oh, they, they find the bigfoot and then they have to let him they had to let him go basically Mm -hmm. uh i didn't realize how involved harry got into their lives and also the fact that he did go wandering out through the city and people kept on having all these bigfoot sightings because i thought it was more you know like we've mentioned before about et i thought it was like more um bottle episode like where it's like oh he's in the house and they're gonna try to say that he's just a really big dog or kind of thing like I thought yeah it was like be... where they're
1: gonna try to shave him or something right. like that
0: yeah yeah I, I thought th- that's what I thought the movie would be about but it wasn't mm-hmm. I, I thought I was really impressed with how uh serious they took the movie uh while still having it be light hearted like um Lefeur, um which is how you always say his name uh Lefeur <laughs> Lefeur um he, him, like, hunting Bigfoot uh, was very real and very serious. Like, these are real-life stakes that are um, at play in this, like, kind of fun, silly movie about a Bigfoot being real and docile. Uh, but also, at the same time, he, like, warns animals. Like, he buried all those little uh, woodland creatures that were, like hung up um, as trophies. I'm just like, Mm -hmm. what a, what a sweet little moment. And also I was just so impressed with how little actual dialogue there is. Like, especially that, that whole scene of Harry waking up in their house. There's not a ton of dialogue happening. It's just, and the
1: dialogue that does happen is very funny too. Or heartfelt where they're like, uh, what happened to the roast? The roast is buried in a shallow, unmarked grave in the backyard. I'm like okay yeah i was just like all right everyone out oh. okay everyone in. <laughs> i would venture to say that that line is not repeated in any other movie anywhere yeah yeah definitely not one we've reviewed
0: no no and it's it's just so uh it it it's it, it's a uh, it's like a never ending gobstopper or um, just uh, something like really wonka created where it is all things at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like, at no point in time does it feel like it is too much of a family film or like an adventure film or a comedy. Uh, you know, it just feels like it's just a well balanced meal. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a good description. You know what else is a good description, Grayson? What's that, Ricky? A description of a sighting of a large head weaponized creature, like in oh, the but, wild. But what would you even call something like that? I call it a head cannon. Head cannon. <laughs> the elusive head cannon. It's <laughs> a part of the show where we share a few unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the film. All right, so the casting did a lot of this for me. Predator, Bigfoot, mm-hmm. head can. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep.
1: You just need an editor for that predator.
0: Yeah. Well, basically, I think the idea would be that uh, Bigfoot on our, like, the you know, people's like, oh, the, the missing link. Uh, this, that, the other. I actually think that Bigfoot is an alien that has sought refuge on Earth because mm-hmm. it was being hunted by the predator.
1: Oh. Yeah interesting yeah so if they did like a predator v bigfoot Mm -hmm. they would have to find two actors that are over seven feet tall but how can we
0: clone doug jones how (laughs) can we do it
1: well doug jones is such a professional he brings his own clone so
0: yeah of course Mm -hmm. very good
1: uh, my Head Cannon was also largely done in the casting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, My Head Cannon is that this is a prequel to the Pet Cemetery remake that we just got. Oh. Um, with John Lithgow's character. We get to see more of his backstory uh, when he lived near the woods on the West Coast, uh, had a family, he met Bigfoot, and eventually, you know, his family all died. Uh, and so he moved out to Maine, uh, where he continued Harry's tradition of burying animals in the backyard, mm. and realized that when he did that, they came to life. Wow! Yeah, that's good. And yeah, I mean, it's just it's John Lithgow in the woods
0: wearing plaid. How is this not the same franchise? I mean, it John Lithgow certainly has a type because another headcan I had. Was in Rise of the Planet of the Apes.
1: Mm. Mm. Uh, That's
0: got trees, too. That's a classic tree movie. It's a classic tree movie. uh, And the cure to... uh, They're basically trying to invent a cure for Alzheimer's. And, you know, John Lithgow is in the movie. His son Mm -hmm. is doing research on monkeys because he remembers Harry. And he's like, well maybe cuz Harry was so smart, maybe this could be the key and then ultimately um he destroyed all of humanity. A much darker timeline. Uh um, both both of them are very dark. Um they have no
1: place near this charming family f- film. Yeah, the we gritty re-
0: Yeah, the gritty reboot has already been made. It's Rise of the Planet of the Apes and the New Pet mm-hmm. Cemetery. There you go. Got it. Wow. That that is the trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, this franchise really went dark. (laughs) All right. Now we're going to go into the part of the show where we like to talk to you about recasts and remakes. Recast. Remake. If this movie were to be remade today, who would you cast? What would the storyline be? The only way? Grayson, the only way. Okay. I allow this movie to be remade because that's how remakes work. They go through me. Uh (laughs) I missed a remake. (laughs) Uh, Guillermo de Toro. Yeah, yeah. I would love for him to. Oh, so that's why you got Doug Jones on the brain. I, I got Doug Jones on the brain uh, because no, I think no. Doug Jones would make an amazing, uh, Harry. And I would love to see what, how they design Bigfoot. Because I think they would make Bigfoot, uh, definitely scarier looking, uh, mm-hmm. but also somehow gentle as well. Um, I think that's my main thing. I mean, like The Shape of Water, amphibian man is both terrifying and uh cute, ish. Oh, if Mm. you if you look at them the right way, yeah, the right light. Yeah, suppose. Yeah,
1: yeah. I um I agree. I would. That would be a very stylized kind of remake. I think if it um it would be fantastic. I think if they kept it more of like this type of movie, like more of the family comedy action type realm. Um, I would want to have Steve Carell as George. Oh, yeah. And his real-life wife, Nancy Carell, as Nancy. Yes. Um, and Just because I love it when they work together. For Dr. Rightwood, um, who was Don Amici, uh, Christopher Lloyd, I think, oh. would be great. Can you just imagine his reaction being like, "All my life I've searched for it and it's real." Oh, I think it would just be so great. Uh and then for Jacques Le Fleur, this one kind of struck me and I now I really want this to happen, but Charlie Day as Jacques Le Fleur, I think would be hilarious. I think it would be so great. And yeah, then as Irene yeah. the next-door neighbor uh Rebel Wilson, of course. Um yes. but then for Harry For Harry, I really wanted someone, you know, where the suit already fit. Mm. So I was thinking either Shaquille O'Neal. It's about time that Shaq, you know, gets back in the acting game, I think. Shaquille O'Neal. I mean, it's time. Wait, he just did Uncle Drew, right? He was an Uncle Drew.
0: He's 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 feeling it. More than anything. No suit. It's just Shaquille (laughs) O'Neal.
1: Dad, we found Shaq in the
0: woods. Can he come live with us? <laughs> That's it.
1: <laughs> Same scene, like you can't have Shaquille O'Neal in your house. Do you know what he would do to your house? He's here. <gasps> My word. Oh. <laughs> uh, and if you can't get Shaq or he doesn't want to do it, Brad Garrett. Uh, I oh think yeah, would be great. Yeah, Brad Garrett's you know six eight. Shaq is seven one, so closer. But you know, uh, I think Brad Garrett would be really great.
0: Man, I I really think. Um I would honestly love to see, I, I think, of course, Andy Circus would be in the running, but sure. I would love for Andy Circus and Bill Hader to be two kids in a trench coat and just really <laughs> just complete the look and the height. That way, Bigfoot is, like, really, really big because it's, it's two kids in a trench coat kind of style yeah. uh, costume. That's the twist. Yeah.
1: That, yeah, yeah. That's the Shyamalan twist. Yep. He was two kids in a trench coat the whole time. Yep. So strong those kids, <laughs> um, yeah. I uh, so at first I I wasn't aware that the TV show existed until I was doing the the follow up research after I watched it. It's like oh great, there's already been a TV show. I would love to see it animated. I think it would be it would lend itself really well to animation, very much in, kind of like what they're doing with Abominable now. The reason why we watched this, right. um, I think that style of animation would be you know give you all the feels, and then. Um, for storyline wise, I think they could, if they wanted to do something different or franchise this out, you could do, uh, like Harry and the origins. (laughs) So bad, but basically see Harry's backstory, uh, where he was. I feel like they maybe did that in the TV show because when I was reading the synopsis for each of the episodes, it said that there were a lot of like flashbacks to other things. So, um, it's possible his origins are explained in that show. I don't know. Um, But the thing that I really would have been interested in is if they had pulled a um, kid in King Arthur's court with the final line of this, where they say, well, what's next? Well, there's always Loch Ness. And they had done Nessie and the Nelsons. And uh, we just follow a similar story, but with the Loch Ness Monster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, Just yeah. do a whole franchise of it. You could do it with mummies. You could do it with anything. Well, I guess mummies mummies exist. They're real. We know they're there. But, but any, do any, they?
0: Do anything they really? Like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anything in that realm. Uh, anything that was in Hotel Transylvania, I think. Put them with a suburban family and and see what happens. Well, if you're looking for sequels... That would be the perfect one, because everyone knows the best sequels take place in Europe. So yes. send it over there, and you have an instant franchise.
0: Harry and the Hendersons go to Vegas. They took a big bet on a big foot. Oh, bam, that's good. they're They're footing the bill. Come on. Know. listen, Hollywood, uh, if you if you feel like you're working too hard, I
1: think they could even do it like the Bailey School book series where it's like vampires don't wear polka dots and Frankenstein doesn't plant petunias. The whole don't thing. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Except you could you could do it at like, you know, well, I guess it would be just
0: exactly that. (laughs) (laughs) Like Harry doesn't pay taxes. (laughs) But the Hendersons do. He is what is called a dependent. He is very much a dependent, yeah. All right. No, I love that. And also, a great opportunity to bring back
1: the Bailey School the Bailey School. Well, uh, I see here, book 25, Bigfoot doesn't square dance. But what if he did? What if he did? What if he
0: did? Mm-hmm.
1: That's, that's all we're asking.
0: What if Harry becomes the unofficial mascot for NBC and he just makes his way into every show like no, that's not nbc abc um mm-hmm. no not even that what if harry
1: becomes that the unofficial- sounds very cw if i'm being honest
0: <laughs> you know what you're right let's leave him there what if harry becomes the unofficial mascot for the cw and he just starts showing up in every show regardless of context uh, like there's just an episode of riverdale where you guessed it Sasquatch Harry. murdered someone, or did they?
1: <laughs> yeah, no one would notice. It'd be seamless. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do. Th- I obviously have never watched the TV show of Harry and the Hendersons, but I I feel like the best way to long term camouflage him in the school would be for him to just be the mascot. You know, yeah. be like, oh, your mascot outfit is so lifelike. Be I mean, like, yep. Lucky we were the, the fighting Sasquatches. Yep.
0: <laughs> Lucky we got the principal to agree to that. Hijinks. Mm-hmm. Hijinks, Right. <laughs> Bigfoot, bigger laughs. laughs. Coming to the CW this
1: fall. On Thursdays, if you still watch TV on a certain day. <laughs> Streaming only on Thursdays. <laughs> when it's Friday, we delete
0: our hard drives.
1: Oh, you don't plan your schedules around TV anymore?
0: (laughs) Okay. Okay. You must be harder to sight than a Sasquatch. And we're back. Brought us back. Now we're going to go to our final segment where we give you our reasons to recommend. So, Grayson, Mm -hmm. why would you recommend Harry and the Hendersons?
1: So, I'd recommend Harry and the Hendersons because it really is a heartwarming story. Uh, about uh, the beauty of life. It's about family and appreciating nature. I, I just think it's a really refreshing movie, too. And from a story perspective, its I, th- I feel like it's rare where six of the main characters all have very noticeable changes. Everyone is different from having Interacted with Harry. It's really everyone that interacts with Harry that changes too. Um, like the dad doesn't really change. The sorry, not not John Lithgow, but his dad doesn't really change. He never really like appreciates his son by the end of it or anything like that. But the family itself and the two Sasquatch hunters um, really do go through a noticeable change. The dad is able to you know slow down in life a little more and pursue what he's passionate about. The mom is able to um kind of take more chances uh because she's extremely risk adverse at the beginning uh the daughter is more accepting and less distancing the son i think that that's the most subtle one the son is able to appreciate life more because at the beginning he's very much like kill 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 cool and by the end of it he was like oh i want to i want to protect things like harry did um, and then obviously the two hunters um with don Amici's character kind of having his life's purpose resolved and uh, having some closure and then jacques lafleur being like oh i I now want to protect the thing that i've hunted my whole life um it's just incredible that they were able to land the plane on six of those uh arcs for the for the character development uh simultaneously so i think it's a well-crafted movie i think it's very fun um the obviously the the makeup is incredible um, and, uh, ultimately like I recommend this movie to see the best of Kevin Peter Hall. Mm-hmm. Um, he really pours everything into the character of Harry and, um, you, you can't help, but want to watch more. Um, so I recommend Harry and the Hendersons because it definitely puts the watch in Sasquatch. Oh, you did
0: it. <sighs> oh man. Yeah. That's, uh. <laughs> That's solid, Grayson. Uh, I, I would recommend Harry and the Henderson because it it is just a, such a sweet movie. I feel like no matter how many times we see movies like this, um, which is like this previously thought of a non-existing creature actually existing in our world. Um, these kinds of movies, especially under the Amblin brand always finds a way to find just like the heart in it and the Mm. innocence of um these kinds of creatures like whether it be et or sasquatch it's just like i mean these are you know creatures like the uh, i know uh, we tend to think of these things like oh this what's out there is going to be scary and dangerous and we need to like protect ourselves but this movie really does show that like oh I mean, if we are just like them, then maybe they are just trying to protect themselves. Like, maybe... I don't know. I just thought it was very sweet. Um, Made me want to uh, pet an animal um, (laughs) and... But it, I, I was just – as someone who has never seen the movie but familiar with it enough, it's definitely worth a watch because of the transformation all these characters make very subtly. This movie mm. is like a never-ending gobstopper in the sense that there are so many layers to it, and it just feels like it keeps going, but it also just never stops being good. Uh, and, and, I, and it's hard to find movies uh, that just continue to deliver on so many different uh, things that they set up well uh so that's really what harry and the henderson has to offer and it puts the watch in sasquatch i love it yes print it yeah and that is our review of harry and the henderson's let us know what you remember about harry and the henderson on our social media on facebook twitter and instagram we are at flashback flicks and also let us know if you remember it as harry and the henderson's or bigfoot and the henderson's because i only remember it as harry yeah um, yeah but maybe your sighting of the movie was different. Ah! Yeah, it just depends on when, how, and where you watched it. Yeah. And it would mean a lot to us if you could leave us a rating and review on your podcasting platform or choice. It helps our podcast get cited in other people's feeds. The more ratings we have, the more people be like, oh, I heard that there is a podcast that mm-hmm. watched movies from our past. I. I Heard it was a myth, but let me let me dig deeper. It just leads a trail back to us, yes, yeah, yeah. And if you could rate it on a scale of one to five, um, feet,
1: um, oh, I see, yeah, both as a unit of measurement and as an appendage, right? Yes, 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 one to yes. so five like, big feet, got it. So, continuing the metaphor, it's like everyone has those fake. Snowwalker Bigfoot feet, right? And we're creating tracks, yes, that instead of creating confusion, <laughs> right? Creates, uh, yeah, uh, y- you know what we're saying, mm-hmm. a path, yes, yeah. a path back to so it's like a metaphor that does the opposite of what it originally stood for,
0: yes, hmm, hmm. it's a, a sentence,
1: <laughs> yes,
0: statement, is that what's The opposite of a metaphor? I
1: I think the opposite of a metaphor is a clear-cut statement, which is not our strong suit.
0: (laughs) Clearly. And be sure to tune in next time right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind. Next time on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. With Joker making his way into theaters... Almost 10 years after Dark Knight, we are going to review, not Dark Knight, jokes on you, we're going to review The King of Comedy. Oh, we call that a
1: misdirect in the comedy business. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll hold for your applause. Yes.